Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. (laughs) Hello. This is Buck Rising. This is the 615 Sessions podcast. You're not hearing the normal music because, of course, when you work ahead, you can't have anything nice. So, this is not a normal podcast. Isaiah Wilson has tweeted out at about quarter to 8 p.m. Central Time that his time with the Titans has come to an end. I will read you the tweet specifically because it is circulating. We've just done the primetime show on it. This was supposed to be a college basketball podcast with Ron Slay, and in fact, it largely still will be. But I couldn't let this thing go out tomorrow without saying something about the situation that has arisen. So here is the tweet from Isaiah Wilson's verified Twitter account. At underscore lay zay underscore. Quote, I'm done with football as a Titan. Dot, dot, dot. No further comments. End quote. Isaiah Wilson, 746, February the 22nd, 2021. So we've just done the primetime show on it. It broke right before we went on. Isaiah Wilson. I mean, the word that comes to mind is fraud. That's really about as simple or as concise as I can be with it. I'll talk a little bit about the financial implications of this because it's still largely up in the air, but there are ways for them to recoup the money and and save against next year's cap, which is what people care about the most, right? Get him out of here. I don't want to think about Isaiah Wilson anymore. He doesn't mean anything to this team, but... This is a larger conversation because Isaiah Wilson, John Robinson, you heard the comments from him a week ago as we're taping this podcast last Monday, say, and I'm paraphrasing, but the player that we scouted was not the player that came to us in camp, not the player that started his career with us, not the player that we ended up putting on NFI at the end of the season because we just wanted this guy out of our hair. Paraphrasing, of course. And so, all this comes back to Isaiah Wilson as the 29th overall pick in last year's draft as we head into another virtual offseason. And see, this is where my concern lies. It's not that I don't think that this is a complete and total failure on the part of John Robinson, on the part of the Titans scouting staff, On everybody who had a hand, Mike Vrabel included everybody up and down the chain of command. Anyone who had a hand in picking this guy, in wasting valuable draft capital on this player, needs to be held to account. This is an unimaginable failure. Now, this does not absolve Isaiah Wilson from any of the things that came to pass because it is his inability to allow people into his life who want to help him. There are people in that locker room, in that organization, I know for a fact who have helped out, who have, excuse me, reached out 
and tried to help this man. I know people in the community here in Nashville who have NFL experience. Our friend Ramon Foster, who appears on this podcast from time to time. 11 years in the NFL as an offensive lineman. Not with the luxury as a first-round draft pick. Ramon had to grind his way up. And he knows all of the things in a, in a time largely, not necessarily before social media because Ramon's not that old. This is all amplified by social media tremendously because we all saw the precipitous decline of Isaiah Wilson. And by the way, it's not official yet. He's still at the taping of this podcast. We're recording this at 9.54 after the primetime show has concluded about two hours after Isaiah Wilson made the statement that he did on Twitter and then deleted it. As of right now, the people that I'm talking to, I saw John Glennon confirm this as well or put this out initially, and I was able to confirm it, I should say, um, is that Isaiah Wilson is, at this point, at the time of this taping, still on the roster, and that there are no press conferences that will take place tomorrow. So that I can anticipate. If the, if the deed is done, it will be done tomorrow, and we will probably hear about it on Wednesday. But again, we come back to this virtual offseason. John Robinson is over right now. And God forbid there be another pandemic offseason, but that's what it's looking like right now. Our first interactions of 2021 with the Titans general manager in lieu of combine access was a Zoom call. All of the rules right now for the pre-draft process are set up, are set up to be done largely virtually. And so... You hold John Robinson, his staff, Mike Vrabel, his staff, everybody, as we mentioned, who had an Isaiah Wilson into account. You watch skeptically because if this person, this individual, because I mentioned at the top, fraud, he was able to fool John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, two people who I think are largely considered better than average at their jobs, that he was going to be a competent NFL football player. And by the way, the tape says that he could have been. The tape says that he is, right? That's the biggest indictment of all of this. The football player is talented. The football player has potential. The football player can help your team. It's the person directly responsible for that football player's actions, no one but himself, that has completely and totally botched this thing from top to bottom. Isaiah Wilson is going to be considered the worst draft pick in the history of the Tennessee Titans. I don't know enough about the history of the Houston Oilers. I have to imagine he's pretty well up there too. But this situation, and in terms of financial recruitment, or excuse me, recoupment, Joel Corey of CBS Sports, a former NFL agent, was doing local radio interviews, I believe, with our friend Joe Rexroad last week and said that the one-game suspension, the game that he was suspended for against the Cleveland Browns, may allow the Titans to recoup some of these finances. He was paid out about $11.5 million in guarantees on his rookie contract. That was guaranteed at signing. He got 5.9 of that up front. That's gone. But the remaining 5.6 and change there may be the ability to get back. Now, I am not intimately familiar with the details of NFL contracts and the language that is inside them. I do not, I have not seen a copy of Isaiah Wilson's contract. I cannot speak intelligently on anything further than that, other than the possibility for them to recoup those finances and the future guarantees about $2.5 million back 
on their 2021 cap, which makes every little difference this year. That's possible. Uh, how they go about doing it is a different matter. There's going to, there's, they're like Andrew Brantz's, there will be lawyers. But this is the, this is the best summary that we can give of the, uh, of the tenure of Isaiah Wilson. He wasn't who he said he was. He wasn't the person who was sold to you as a fan base by not just the coaches at Georgia and the people that went to bat for him. Sam Pittman on this podcast. Isaiah Wilson was a guest on this podcast. So was his offensive line coach at Georgia, who is now the head coach of the University of Arkansas. Sam Pittman said that this guy gave this guy glowing reviews. Nobody's going to knock players from places that they are currently coaching at in college because that'll hurt them in recruiting. But Sam Pittman left Georgia and still gave this guy a glowing review. He wasn't who he said he was. Isaiah Wilson was just flat out a fraud. And so with that, we will get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Back by no one's demand but our own and from our home office in finally sunny, scenic Elizabeth Park, still quarantined, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Hello, friends. I hope you had a lovely weekend. I hope that you are uh, enjoying the sunlight and the warmer temperatures as much as I am, even though I'm not sure if this can be heard in the background of the podcast, but there's literally a house being demolished next to my home right now. So if (laughs) if that comes through on the microphone, my bad. But what uh, I will not apologize for is today's podcast with Ron Slay of Volunteer Basketball fame. The Vols, they pooped themselves against the University of Kentucky on Saturday, and as tournament time gets closer and closer, we need to figure out exactly what this Tennessee team is. So Ron Slay is going to do that for us today. we got five good minutes on something that happened to me over the weekend that I think you guys are going to get at least some kind of comedic enjoyment out of. But in the meantime, I have to remind you that now that we are thought out, you need to get your butt to Mount Juliet. You need to go right off Belinda Parkway, and you need to go to Two Rivers Ford. Not just because you need a new car. I don't know if you need a new car. But I can promise you that you need to test drive a new car, like the 2021 Ford Bronco, the electric Mach-E Mustang, the new F-150, so many great vehicles that Two Rivers Ford has out on the lot. And if you choose to go through that car purchasing process, or even really just to begin your search if you're thinking about it. You know that you will have the best possible customer service experience courtesy of the non-commissioned sales staff that Two Rivers Ford employs. Go and pay them a visit now that we are out of the snowpocalypse, or you can do all of your research online and even go through the entire car purchasing process on the interwebs if you so choose at Two Rivers Ford. Dot com. Let's get the sleigh. Hey. Back. 
back here. 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. Make sure you use that promo code A to Z Sports that you see behind me if you are watching this program on YouTube. If you are watching this program on YouTube, you can see the man before me in the Boom Boom Room hoodie. I'm sure you can get the merch wherever it is available. Ron Slay, the sleigh ride in the building. What up, Slay? What up, Buck? What's up, man? Yes, you can get it. All right, Ron Slay 35, hit me on the DM and I'll ship it out to you, meet you, whatever we got to do to get it to you. You got to get in it. It's just a, just an open invitation to slide in this man's DMs. This is how That's we're doing it, business nowadays. I see you. I see you. It's real, man. I'm giving them what they want, man. I, I, like we said, I'll, I'll, yeah, even if they don't want it, they got to get it, man. Here it is. And they're giving the people. Well, the people can't get enough of Ron Slay, and you can get Ron Slay weekdays 10 to noon right now on 104.5 The Zone. Him and our buddy Nick Kale, they've been doing an exceptional job uh, keeping the people going, keeping the people talking there on the radio waves. But here, Slay is here to defend or explain what the hell happened to his Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday because I hate I don't hate anybody the way I hate Kentucky, Ron. I don't hate <laughs> anybody the way that I hate Kentucky. I went to Indiana. It's in our blood. It's the one thing that I share yeah. with this great state. I hate those damn Wildcats. And they, hey. Tennessee, <laughs> allowed these Wildcats, these lowly, sad University of Kentucky Wildcats to mop the floor with them at uh, at Thompson Bowling Arena. Make it make sense. Ah, oh, hey man, listen to me, Buck. I I can't, man. I'm gonna be honest, and I'm I'm one to give props when props are due. Yep. You know, um, I said I had an announcement today on the radio, and my announcement was I would never ever let up off of Kentucky Wildcats. That's the announcement. I would never apologize nope. for a rivalry. I don't care if you're good, bad, ugly, indifferent. It is what it is. So looking at it, man, that's my thing with it, but it's a rivalry, man, and it's it's hatred there. And it's, it's it should be. You know, we keep it in, in the field of play, on the, on the court, whatever it may be, and that's where it should stay. But that's the problem I have with this team. You know, I, I was sitting there thinking about it, like, how do you get this – this under control, what's going on, the inconsistencies of it. And you would want a rivalry game like this so you could show your nastiness side. You know, you show the grit in it. Yep. And I think, I think, Buck, I, I, I come to the realization we got a bunch of good guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you look back at the games when, we, when I played, um, it's trash talking going on, and we mean it. You know, it, it's, you can't win on this court. We're going to fight you tooth and nail. And you look at the teams leading all the way up, Kevin Punter, Robert Hubbs, uh, uh, John L. Stokes, Juwan Smith, Chris Lofton, Dane Bradshaw, Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams, all the way up to what we have right now. And the difference is I was watching it, and they were at the free throw line, and it was no jawing. It was no elbowing. It was no, you know, I'm going in after you. It, it was it was nothing. like, And that's the problem in it to me. Um, the guy that can bring that was the guy that was sitting out. That was Josiah Jordan James. And you yeah. saw him prowling the sidelines all, almost more than Coach Barnes. I was really wondering why the refs didn't say say anything. I, was, I guess it's because of COVID times. You know, there's really nobody there. And they treated almost like a scrimmage, you know, as far as rules go. But he was up there pacing. And you're not supposed to be able to do that as a player. You got to be sitting down. Him and Kim English were standing up the whole time like they wanted to check in and play. So I think that's part of the problem, man, with this team and the, the good guy. And the, and the leader is an energy good guy, Fulkerson. 
you don't see Fulkerson talking crazy to anybody or doing anything emotional besides getting his teammates, you know what I mean, riled up. And we missed that. We missed that. And Kentucky had their way, and they were too comfortable. You can never be that comfortable in a rapper. Well, and how much of this is pandemic related, what you're saying, right? Because I think in a I think in a in a packed house in Knoxville on a Saturday mm-hmm. night, you got Kentucky coming into town. They're they're already down. You just want to give them a few kicks while they're down there. Right. As a as a fan base, as a rivalry, all the things that you're talking about. And and the energy is not there, Ron. I think I think that college basketball, more than any other sport, has been so affected least from the viewers uh, point mm-hmm. of view. Like, I don't know what it's like to be in these arenas. I haven't been to a college basketball game in person, obviously this right. season, but I think that the product is so much different more than any other sport without the fans there. And I think it kind of feeds in to what you're talking about when you have triple J on the sideline and all he can do is pace the guys out on the floor. Well, they're probably treating it a little bit of like a scrimmage because they're already down. They're going through the motions. You don't see the same kind of fierce competitiveness or intensity that you're accustomed to. How, how much, do, how much do we need to grade on a curve on a COVID curve for lack of a better term? Mm-hmm. I think a lot, you know, you got to give some to it because the fans are what you feed off of, you know, especially in a, um, in a, in a, in a game like this, man, you can get 20,000 fans in there to get you riled up and get you going and let alone them, the alums that get to come back, you know, two years ago, you saw the, 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 the video of Bernard King being in the locker room, telling, telling the team what it means for a team like Kentucky to come in your place and you, put your foot on their throat and don't let up. You keep taking the fight to them. That means a lot. You know, I remember um, uh, opportunity uh, three years ago when Grant Williams was the SEC player of the year. Um, the following year, they were playing Kentucky when they had, um, what's my big, uh, um, Washington, P.J. Washington. They had P.J. Washington on Kentucky's team and he was giving it to Grant. Like first half, he gave him everything he was looking for and Grant didn't respond. So I remember him coming out of halftime. We crossed paths and I grabbed him like, Hey man, come on, this is your house, dog. You the yeah. SEC player of the year. They can't F with you down there, dog. Like yeah. you are who you are, be who you are. And it turned, you know, with the COVID going on, you can't get close to a guy, you can't get an arena, you can't get there to feel the, the energy. So I can only imagine this players, when you're going through the motions of the game and you try to click that switch, guys that are not wired like that, like this bunch isn't, they can't just click that switch on and get going. So I think a lot of that is part of the problem and the inconsistencies of the uh, uh, being a leader. Like we saw Coach Barnes say he draw a line in the sand. They responded. That was great, you know, going into the Kansas game. Here we are again. The coach can't keep drawing lines in the sand over and over. You know what I mean? It, 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 that's not going to work. You got to be as a player to transfer that same energy out there on the floor, and they just can't do it, especially – when they're not all one, you know, JJ triple J was a, a big piece missing in that. We saw Jaden Springer missing early. Saw what that was like. So this is a team in order to reach their goals has to be whole, especially with their core. And at a critical time, we're getting closer and closer to whatever the hell March Madness is going to look like. This exactly. team has, has not, I don't want to say petered out, but they're flatlining a little bit. You go back to guys that you're talking about leadership, energy, John Fulkerson, what, what what am I to make of that? I know I know our friend uh, Joe Rexrode from the Athletic was asking Coach Barnes today about it. 
whether it's a physical issue or whether it's mental on the floor, what's going on with Fulkerson, but this isn't the same player that Vols fans and people who watch and cover Tennessee are accustomed to seeing. What, how, do, how do you diagnose the issues that he's having right now? You know what? You look back at it, man. You look at situations like Chris Lofton, you know, when he was um, um, being, being bothered by the testicular cancer and things of that nature. You look yeah. at Lamonte Turner, him having to show the injury, and they're keeping it on the hush. The, the, so you, you, you're kind of reluctant to jump all over him, not knowing what's really going on, but all we can do is take it for face value. Yep. So I'm here to jump all over him. Listen, <laughs> Fulkerson is, he's BSing. Like, you know what I mean? Like the last seven or eight games that we got to see last year, um, closing out the SEC uh, regular season before going into the tournament, he was fantastic, phenomenal effort, you know, and, and played over and beyond. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe he tapped all the way out of all of his sources and, he has no more left. You know, maybe we saw it too early. So coming into the situation with your first team, all SEC, you got a lot of responsibility on you, man, and you got to show up. It is as simple as that. You know, looking at it, when this team is going down the stretch, getting ready for the tournament, how do you turn it on? First of all, none of these guys have been there before. So you can't wait till the tournament to turn it on. Vescovi's never been in the tournament. Josiah Jordan James, because of shortened season, never been there. Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer are rookies. Victor Bailey Jr. had to sit out. Eve Pons and um, Fulkerson are the only ones that have been there, and they were played sparingly because you had guys before you. So going into it, you can't get there and be like, oh, man, when we get to the tournament, we're going to you ain't even ever been there. So yep. your track record don't say you can turn it on. You got to get momentum going and, and ready to go into the tournament and, and, and find a way to get some kind of continuity and some consistency going forward because you see guys like Arkansas, they're peaking at the right moment. You see Alabama been doing it the whole season. Um, you see Kentucky even trying to get trying to get their mojo going. Now, I will say, granted, this is one thing I want to say at the beginning. Kentucky, y'all beat Auburn. Y'all beat Vanderbilt. Come on, man. And y'all blew a rivalry out. That's y'all good win. Outside of that, man, three games before that, you lost to Missouri. You lost to Arkansas. You lost to Tennessee. So, Kentucky fans, I'm here to damp on your parade. Pump your brakes, man. Y'all didn't do anything. Y'all supposed to beat Auburn, I would hope. You barely beat them. You barely beat Vanderbilt by four points. Come on, man. Take your feather in your cap. Take your lunchbox and go on home before we, we start calling you out out here on the playground. You know what nah, I mean? listen, they, they're, they're no good winners in, Kentucky, in the state of Kentucky. <laughs> like, you know this. On, you know Stop this, like. Yeah, man, without a doubt. So getting back to it, man, they got to get it going. And how do they do that? I wish I knew the formula, but one thing about it, if he gets to play back with that same energy, it can change. He doesn't look like he's having fun. He looks like he's counted on to score 20 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, really carry the team. And that's not necessarily what has to be done with him. You got to get out there and have fun and bring that energy, and that'll be contagious to the rest of the team. I think that's why they're so frustrating. You know, I think I think because from what you mentioned, there, yeah, there's a there's a lack of tournament experience on the roster right now, but in a way that college basketball teams really aren't anymore in the one and done era, this is constructed in a way where you have, you have a, a solid group about as evenly balanced a roster as you can have with veteran leadership, with young guys, with high end talent who and role players who are coming off the bench. Like Tennessee 
is well-constructed in that regard. And so you expect better of them. You expect to see these guys like Fulkerson step in. And again, like you said, we, we don't know what he's dealing with. It could all, we could, you know, we could look like assholes by the end of right. the podcast. Some come up and come up at a John Fulkerson. That's, you know, something that he's, that's legitimately difficult to deal with. So you, right. you always want to take that into account, but of course, I, I think that's I think that's my greatest frustration because I and it maybe it's just a, a Tennessee thing for me because I, I, mm-hmm. I Ron I've been here five years Tennessee Tennessee last five years not not the greatest uh, not the greatest track record whether it be basketball whether it be football <laughs> not a good run right now. <laughs> I I have a gift that I use every time Tennessee loses in any sport of the two uh, of the two I don't know probably mid 90s the overweight fans the 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 uh, the husband and wife together very very disconcerted on their face and that's what I associate with the Tennessee sports experience so I'm walking into this game or into my living room to watch this game on Saturday night I'm like there there is no reason Tennessee should lose this game so of course they're going to find a way to do that and maybe that's bad juju on my part walking in there but that's just kind of how I look at it Ron and so you trust Rick Barnes to course correct as they come into the late stretch, these last few SEC games before everybody starts to ship up to Indianapolis. I think if you're if you're looking at it from from Coach Barnes's perspective, what's the one thing you got to get right to get this team back on track, back to the team that we start? You know, outside of health, health is the obvious. Yeah. I think health being number one, and uh, after that, man, physicality. I think you you got to be physical. You see the games that they play and they win handedly, whether it be out of conference, in conference, whatever it may be. The games that they're less physical and you lose the rebound battle as you did against Alabama, that you did against Florida. You lost against Ole Miss. You act like you didn't know what to do. You know, you weren't physical enough to attack going down the stretch. You look at it, man, and that is the problem. I mean, you saw in this game, Kentucky used their length. And we're just more physical outside of Keon Johnson, who was really, really trying. I, I didn't see anybody just taking it to him. Jaden Springer had a couple of good drives, but outside of that, you know, you, who else do you get it from? That's why the front court guys have to be, um, they, they got to be held responsible for that. Fulkerson, we know he's not a bang, bang guy, but it's certain situations where you can exude toughness. That's diving for loose balls. That's uh, running a guy over or taking a charge, letting him run you over. So you got you to gotta get back to that. And you see on defense, anytime guards are driving and they're just sticking their arms out and, you know, trying to rip the ball away instead of getting a body right there, letting them see it and cutting that driving lane off, then recovering back, which takes an effort that's that's – a little different than just your normal effort. So yeah. they got to get back to that, that physicality, man. If they do that, we'll see it in the turnovers. We'll see it in rebounding. You know, turnovers being you're strong enough with the ball, you're not driving right there to the paint. They're raking it away and getting it and going on the fast break. Rebounding, you can't lose 43 to 31. I don't care if they do have length. That's effort. You don't have to jump up and out jump a guy that has more um, athletic ability you or stronger than you or whatever. You box the guy out and you want it more. The ball can hit the ground, then you grab it. That's the same rebound. So physicality for me is that, that's the key. You know, you talk uh, you talk about just uh, the physicality and 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 overcoming. I, and I I immediately uh, not not as a not as a means to kind of shove it into the podcast. But I was so impressed with the Lady Vols against South Carolina. Oh I don't gosh. know how much of that. Did you watch that game? Yes, I did. Man, yes, I, I, did. I I don't I don't know how much I could say about Kelly Harper and what she's what she started to do to kind of get 
that program back to a place where it's nationally relevant and nationally discussed. But to take down number two South Carolina over the weekend, that was mm-hmm. as impre- that was as impressive a basketball performance as I've seen in the state of Tennessee this season. <laughs> Without a doubt, that was big time. You know, you heard from Kelly Harper. Heard you going in there and using one of Coach Summit phrases. Yeah. Put your big girl pants on. That was straight from the Coach Summit handbook, one on one. So uh, she got the, she got them back to doing it. We saw it a little bit in the second half when they played UConn early in the year. We saw we saw a glimpse of what could happen, and they put it all together, man. And that was beautiful to see. I was very, very proud of them, even though they, they turned around and dropped it by two or by one against Georgia. But that was a hot shooting Georgia team, you know what I mean? And they were right there together. So hard to get up for another one after beating South Carolina like that. But well, I, I love seeing the Lady Vols back. They, they are just as good. Um, they, they mean the same to the SEC women's basketball as SEC football, the, uh, the Tennessee football team does. So you got to have them up in order for the SEC to thrive. You got to have the Lady Vols in the mix. Without question. I got, I got, I know Ron Slay's a busy man. He's got media appearances all over the place. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to make sure that I don't take too much advantage of his time, but I got to know Ron, just as a, just as an athlete uh, over the weekend, there was a, a video of a kid at Cam Newton's camp. Now I listened to you speak on this on the radio early. Yeah. So if you, if you want Ron Slay's fresh takes right <laughs> off the, right off the, uh, right off the, the microphone, you can get him 10 to noon on one Oh four, five, the zone. And I'm not looking to have you recycle your opinion, but yeah. Slay, so, somebody tell me what the hell I, what, what I was witnessing on the internet this weekend when I'm seeing some 13 year old little brat, bad mouth, Cam Newton, former NFL MVP. I, I, I start, I started this podcast off, off to make asking you to make it make sense about Tennessee mm-hmm. and Kentucky. Ron, make that make sense. <laughs> hey, man, that's a segment in itself, man. Buck, Stop. I'm going to be honest. It ain't no way possible. That was, first of all, disrespect. I think Cam handled it okay besides hollering out, I'm rich. But he was. If that's the game you want to get into, well, okay, little man, go get your go get your papa. Go get your pappy. I like he was telling him. Dude, that's totally disrespectful. And I, the crazy thing is, Buck, I can't even see myself doing that to, let's say, let's keep it in the football realm. At Tennessee State University, you got Richard Dent coming back, Tutal Jones coming back. You got these great guys coming back, putting the effort in to for a 707 camp. You got a hundred some of my kids out there, and you got one guy going to spoil it. I know for sure if I was a peer of his, I would have been telling him, hey, dude, you need to shut up. You know what I mean? You ain't need no cam, don't even worry about this. We got him. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. second, I know my mom would have told me, Hey, uh, Mr. Newton, come on over here. And we would have run around the corner. And she would have told him, hey, talk to him now. Say them same exact things. And Cam, you got the right to do whatever you want to do to him. He want to be grown, treat him as an adult. And we would have seen how that, that played out. Like, I've been in them situations. Like, I give it up to guys like David Sutter, Calvin Peters, Dante Jones, Ron Mercer, Corey Allen. Like, dude, they would snatch me up so fast. And, it, it, like, come on, dude. Like, and then you look at it from the kid's point of view. Listen, son. If you can accomplish just in high school or college, we ain't even talking about the pros. Yeah. That's so far. That's so far away. We made it ever, ever get there. Nobody you may know ever get to that point. But if you got high school and college and you can accomplish a tenth of what this man accomplished, dude, you've made it. <laughs> like you're okay. If you can get a tenth of that, like you get school paid. Like, man, it's 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 bananas to me, but. And the funny thing about it, this generation, this is the disrespect that's allowed. 
and where it starts, I would like to say home, but I don't know what's going on in their home. You know what I mean? So my thing is the mentors and the people that are around him, they got to grab him, the coaches, whatever it may be. And they got to grab him and let him know because when you're 22, 23, 24, 25, and you do this same little outlandish thing to an adult, my man, you ain't got no cameras and no lights that's going to save you. No. You got TikTok ain't coming to say, yeah, ain't coming to bail you out, brother. <laughs> no, I promise you'll be on TikTok for the wrong reason. That'll be <laughs> laying in the street. You know what I mean? So that's one thing you don't want, man. So um, I am, I, I know a person that's close to the situation um, and that, that's involved with that program. They did um, kick the kid off, you know, uh, off the team. I saw he wrote an apology and everything, but, and, and it's, it's, it's difficult, man. I think Cam showed a lot of restraint. And when it comes to trash talking, I know a lot of people are saying, man, Cam got to hold this, he got to hold this tongue, man. That was just trash talking. That's not trash talking. Trash talking is when you are engaged in competition against somebody and that's where it stays. This man, Cam wasn't playing. You had no reason to talk to this man like that. They're talking about you a free agent. That's about to get signed again. Yeah, he's like, gonna get you, a he's gonna get a job. About? What what are you doing in the league? Exactly. It, and it's you know I don't want to turn this to into, into a session of ripping a ripping a, a a teenage kid. Like that's not what yeah. this is about at all. It's not. And and your your point is well taken. Like you don't want to criticize the parents because you don't know what's going on mm-hmm. at home, and that's that's something that should not be uh, not be adjudicated on the internet like everybody right. was doing yesterday. But the thing, like Slay, that's the first time that I've felt like you know, looking at a younger generation and being like, what the hell is wrong with these kids? Yeah, it's yeah. the first, it's like, I felt like I heard, I heard it in my dad's voice. Right. I'm like, oh, this is a terrible feeling, but this little shit, like mm-hmm. what is going on here? Yeah. And then, the, and, and then the, the second part of the video, which did not get as widely circulated because of course, you know, the, the desired effect was to have the thing go viral. Mm-hmm. The first video goes viral, but when the, when the kid, when Cam comes back to the kid, the second part of the video that I think Cam put out on his social media, he's asking, Hey, you know, wh- what did, what did you do today? How right. did your team finish today? Right. What were you able to participate? I'm just trying to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, no disrespect. We're just having a conversation. Right. I'm going to give you attention for the right reasons there is what go. he said, instead of what happened in the initial in the initial videotaping of it and all of it just boils down to i don't i don't know what balance you you have as a as a professional athlete in those settings or anybody anybody mm-hmm. who is uh who is hosting something mm-hmm. like a camp and and it's such it's such a unique circumstance so it's not like it's going to happen to everybody right. but like what is cam's obligation there to to try and <laughs> handle the kid gently exactly hell no if that was you know i don't have kids but if that was my kid i'd be like man like you said take him around the corner now yeah. talk to him. <laughs> yeah exactly and you look at that dude like and i i, I would be honest if you take a poll amongst kids that were at that camp yeah a lot of them you know it's not just us just having this platform able to talk about it i believe those kids would say the same thing man he was out of order like yeah. and it's the guy's and it's the guys like that that give all of this generation that's coming up a bad name, thinking they do it for clout, chasing likes, whatever it may be. And that's not what all of them think. But it's those, though, the ones that are put out there in the light that we look at like, come on, man, this, this can't be everybody. And it's not everybody, but you got to hold accountable. Like, I know our generation would hold, we would grab them. And be like, nah, man, you can't do that, man. You messing it up for all of us, dude. Now we ain't even got no 707 for the next five years. Because yeah. you done fucked it up with Cam. Yeah. Come on, dog. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. 
Like, come on, man. I don't want to sit there at the Boys and Girls Club all the time where we can go up here to Vanderbilt and do a 707. With you know Derek how much Mason. my parents paid to start, just send come me on. down the valley to this camp and you're the one going to mess it up? Get <laughs> like, the come hell on, out of here. Stop it, man. Exactly. So stop that's it. Where that is. Uh, it's just, it, it was, you know, it got, listen, it got me through, the, it got me through a day of content. And honestly, <laughs> as a professional cloud chaser, I've probably done things that are regrettable <laughs> in my life too. But Same I just, here. I couldn't get over that. Anyway, what I can't get over is how uh, is and how, how many times Ron Slay has been generous with his time to come on the Six One Five Sessions podcast. OG, I really appreciate you, just like the people appreciate hearing you on the Zone, on the podcast, the Boom Boom Room, everywhere anyway. that you are mass producing the good content for the people. We appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me, Buck. You got my number anytime, baby. I am love coming on here because you just get to talk freedom. We just get to have a conversation on here. You know, it ain't no silence. It ain't no, hey, don't say that. No, this is all real talk, man. And anytime we can have real talk, you know you got me. And all you got to do is lock that door. That's all you got to lock the door. (laughs) (laughs) We got five good minutes on what happened to me this weekend that you all are going to want to laugh at me about. Here momentarily, but I got to remind you that we do this show from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios, and we do that because DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. I love it. I have been wagering on basketball, on hockey, on tennis, all manner of things in my DraftKings Sportsbook app, and I have access to all of their great profit boosts and no-brainer bets that they provide to you courtesy of the promo code A to Z Sports. Now, while it's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, just because we're having Slay on means we're getting closer. But that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. I'm not letting it wait. You shouldn't either. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet 100 or excuse me, can bet $1 on any team to hit a three pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right. All it takes is for one three pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no brainer to me. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code A to Z Sports to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. Promo code A to Z Sports, new customers, you get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Tennessee only. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and you want help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right. So five good minutes. Where to even begin? I am in the phase of my life where I have begun the the home renovation stage, right? So I've been living in my house. It'll be two years in July. I bought a new build, right? It's uh, in a great location downtown. It's right by all of the places that I need to be, which is not very many places nowadays, especially in the football offseason when I don't have to go to practice on a regular basis. So now that I am comfortable in my home. Now that I've been in my home for some time, I'm starting to, you know, redecorate. I'm starting to replace things that I've had for a long time because I hoarded 
all of my material possessions largely through college because when you're a kid, you're broke. And so you want to keep things until they absolutely cannot be used anymore. So we started, and I say that I'm doing all of these home renovations when it's really my girlfriend because I have zero uh, artistic savvy about me, or at least when it comes to interior design. So my girlfriend, I am under her guidance, under her tutelage, and I am going to begin the home renovation process, the interior decorating process, probably the better word for it. So I've resigned myself to go about this, and honestly, I enjoy it. I like new things. I like my things to look nice. I like nice things. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion, even though some uh, men may detest the interior design or the shopping for things that go in the home that really just clutter your space. I am not about that because my life is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very material person, which <laughs> is probably a bad thing. But so we start with the bedspread. I have had said bedspread, the old one, for probably close to eight years. So it was time to go without a doubt. And my girlfriend, we go, we pick out very, very nice things from uh, a place that does not advertise on the podcast, so I will not mention them by name. They're very uh, not cost-effective, but they look fantastic. And so I'm I'm about it, all right? I'm in a good place now in my career. I can splurge a little bit even on things like, you know, fancy bedspreads, and I'm comfortable with it. So we buy it. And so we spend the rest of the day buying things to go around and on the bedspread, right? Because it's not just that you're buying a duvet cover or a slip to go in the duvet cover or throw pillows because God knows you can't have enough pillows on any bed, even though you don't use the throw pillows. You just throw, literally throw them to the side when you go to sleep at night because you can't sleep on these damn things. Although the new throw pillow is very comfortable. I can't sleep on them because, you know, I would be basically sitting upright, but this is beside the point. So we go and we get a, uh, a nice uh, white and gray and black patterned linen bedspread for me to put on my new bed. And so my girlfriend, she's very excited because, you know, she likes to she likes to do these things. She likes to design. I think she has a game on her phone that allows her to interior decorate like these are challenges that she has to meet. It's like a Pinterest board, but in a game. And so she's treating my house like her personal Pinterest board, which I again, I am all about. I am I am protesting none of this. Until I am getting ready to meet her out for lunch. I have the day to myself. The cats are here. The bed is made. The bed looks lovely with the new bedspread. I'm very happy with it. And so I am showering. I've gone to the gym. I'm uh, I'm going through my skincare routine. Not many men have a skincare routine, but I do, and it takes a minute. <laughs> so I'm going through my skincare routine. I'm about to walk out the door. I open my bathroom door to go back into the bedroom. And what do I see in the middle of the bed, the new bedspread? I see the cats because, of course, I have these two trash panda kittens that, that live in my home, and that's lovely. They're fine for the most part until this particular instance. And so I see both the cats looking at me. One is uh, borderline, you know, she looks drugged because she's laying in the sun. The bed is very comfortable. She's enjoying herself. And then the other one is looking at me. He's crouched suspiciously. And he's looking at me, waiting for me to make my move because he's clearly done something wrong, but I can't see it yet. So I emerge from the bathroom and I'm looking at him because I know that face. I have seen that face. But the question is, what has Leo, the little boy's name, what has Leo done to deserve said suspicion? Well, as soon as I set foot 
out of my bathroom, onto the carpet, in my bedroom, the cat leaps. Leo jumps. Frankie, the girl, she stays on the couch. You don't want to move. She's sleeping. And so under Leo is a very, in the middle of the bed, the new, nice, white linen, very expensive. Not, not that I'm humble bragging about how much my bedspread costs. I'm just saying this because I'm, I'm new to the purchasing of things that look nice in my home that cost money. Um, so I see where the cat, Leo, has been laying uh, a very, very large, very, very wet, very, very pungent pee spot. He has peed in the middle of of the bedspread. Now, I have already started my laundry for the day, and the washing machine function is such that I cannot stop it to put the bedspread in because you need to get the stain remover, you need to get the you need to get rid of the urine, and then immediately it needs to be put in warm water so the stain does not set. Or at least this was my understanding from the YouTube videos that I had to watch in the midst of this crisis. And so instead of waiting for the washing machine to finish and running the risk that this new pee spot would <laughs> would be in the middle of my bedspread because I ain't taking it back now. It ain't going back. It has to stay with me because the cat has peed on it. Return, uh, voiding any return policy very, very quickly. So then instead I have to run to the guest bathroom uh, down the hall. I have to fill the bathtub with warm water. I have to soak my new bedspread and pray to God that it does not entirely become yellow soaked because of Leo's pee, and then I have to wait for the rest of my laundry to conclude. So I'm going through all of this. It takes about probably five, a collective five hours of doing laundry because you have to dry it on the right thing. All of this to say is that don't spend money on nice things because all that will happen is your cat will pee on them. Five good minutes about my weekend because there's really not much else going on in sports. And that's okay. I feel like I don't, you know, I feel like I talk a lot about sports between the primetime show and the podcast and and when I do the radio hits. So uh, I thought I thought I'd let you into a little bit of my personal suffering because, you know, if nothing else, you can laugh at it and laugh at me about it. Five good minutes here on the 615 Sessions podcast. It's a beautiful day outside. At the time of this taping, I hope you are outside. I hope you are walking around. I hope you are listening to the podcast as you do so. You know that we're going to have great conversations coming for you on Thursday's podcast. What you also know is that we will have the Music City Mailbag. So slide in my Instagram DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. Transition tags, franchise tags that can be started. They can start, excuse me, to be placed on players this week. So we can talk about that. Tag candidates for the Tennessee Titans. We can talk about whatever you want. Cat pee stains. I got it all. I am a fountain of useless knowledge. Let me bury you in it. If all you do is slide in my DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. But it has to be on Instagram, not on Twitter. My Twitter DMs are, are a much, much more poisonous place. And no, I don't want to have to peel through that. Do me a, do me a solid go to Instagram. Subscribe. Also do me a favor. Subscribe, rate, and review to the A to, Z podca- a to Z Podcast Network, where you get the 615 Sessions podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. You get the Tighten Up podcast. You get the Preds Nashcast. You get the Big Orange podcast. So many great audio programs that we are pumping into this feed. Subscribe, rate, rate review, leave a nice review if you so choose, or you can uh, you can uh, you know tell us what, uh, what terrible human beings are. As long as you give five stars, uh, I don't really care. But in the meantime, I do care about you staying safe, staying clean, and of course, 
Stay hot, Nashville. This has been the award-winning 615 Session Podcast from DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. It is powered by Two Rivers Ford, and it is brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville. 